So as they're collecting, um, as Tim said, um, I was sitting on my couch about 6 o'clock and I got a phone call. Um, and John says, remember when we were in staff meeting a while ago? And we were joking around and we said, hey, you should have a sermon in your back pocket just in case anything ever happens. And remember how you laughed and you said, yeah, no problem? Well, today's the day. <laughs> uh, like Tim said, John's stuck in Wichita, uh, Kansas, and couldn't, couldn't get out of there. Um, so I get to speak to you guys this morning. Uh, and the nice thing about that is, uh, as someone who does, uh, or if you've done a lot of public speaking, uh, teaching, preaching, um, sometimes over a course of time, as you study for something, you can get lost in actually what you're wanting to communicate. Uh, you kind of go away from the heart issue uh, because you've had so much time to let's see how much I can cram into this and impress you uh, with all of my knowledge and research on the topic. Um, so this morning, you're not going to get any of that. Uh, you're going to get some of this. Um, and I'm just going to talk to you about what God has been talking to me about personally in my life the last couple of months. Um, and, you know, as I sat down last night um, to write this, I was, I was going, you know, it's funny how, how God sometimes ties things together and is working things. Um, I did a wedding this weekend, um, and uh, it was for a couple in our church. I did it on Saturday morning, uh, and I talked about sacrifice. Um, and so as I sat down, I started praying. I said, hey, God, like, you need to give me something, because I got, you know, we have, last week, I think 420 people came here this morning, uh, and, or last Sunday morning. And I was like, you know, they're coming expecting to hear from you, so you need to give me something. Uh, and that instantly popped into my head. Um, said, why don't you talk about sacrifice a little? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning and, and how I've seen it uh, in my own life, uh, in others, and, and I think what God calls us to. Have you ever been somewhere, uh, maybe late at night, sitting around with your friends, uh, you know, maybe having dinner and a drink, and you start talking about plans for the future, um, and then you start going down the line of someone brings up you know, this idea, and then someone else goes, yeah, we should all go into business together. Have you ever had that kind of conversation pop up there? Or we should go do this, and everybody's all gung-ho at the moment. Yeah, we should definitely start the business. We can get all these clients, and, you know, we'll be our own bosses. And so when you're there, it sounds really great. Then you wake up in the morning, um, and you're sitting there maybe at breakfast with your spouse. You're going... Yeah, that was an awful idea. Like, you know how much work that's going to take? And, and you know what we're going to have to give to make this work or sacrifice? Or, it's just not going to happen, right? Sometimes we lift things up at a time and we think of them in kind of idealistic ways. Uh, and, and until we really set our mind to thinking about what it actually would take to accomplish going into business for yourself, some of you own your own businesses, you could probably convince most of us not to go in business for ourselves. The amount of work and effort and sacrifice that it takes to do something like that or a job change. Or, I mean, there's multiple things. So when I was 17, um, I was in a group called Boys Brigade. Anybody ever knows what that is? A couple of you guys. Boys Brigade. Boys Brigade is like a Christian Boy Scout um, and though I think Boy Scouts was founded on Christian, uh, 
Anyways, the church put it on, uh, and I was involved of it, involved as a little kid. And, and as we got older, we went on all sorts of trips. We went uh, canoeing and, and, and um, uh, went to like an archery range and shooting guns and tying knots and hiking and all these different man kind of activities. And when we were maybe freshman or sophomore in high school, we went on this hike. Um, and it was the first time I ever kind of went on a substantial, more than a day hike. I think we hiked two days. So we had to, you know, carry our stuff in. And it was awesome. And from that point on, we said, man, we should go on a huge hike. Like, just us guys, you know, don't bring any of the dads along with us. And so as we got older, we started talking about that. And when we uh, got to be our senior year, a couple friends of mine, uh, we decided that that's what we were going to do. For spring break, we were going to go hike part of the Appalachian Trail. And so we, we started talking about it and planning it out. And, you know, I would tell people at school what I was planning to do, and everybody's like, are you out of your mind? You know, they're going to Florida and Myrtle Beach, and, you know, their bikinis and beer was going to be their spring break, and I was going to go roughing it in the middle of nowhere. Um, but... They would go, well, that kind of sounds good. And I would talk to them about what it would take. And they said, okay, so what do you do? Like, how do you, what do you eat? I said, well, you got to pack everything in. So a lot of times it's, you know, a lot of pasta, dried meats, um, anything that's actually light and substantial because you got to carry everything in. They're like, yeah, that kind of sounds awful. And where do you sleep? I said, well, you got to, you know, bring your sleeping bag and you got to bring a tent and you, you know, sleep on in the woods. And they start going, yeah, th that really doesn't sound good. And they go, what do you do for water? And the water's probably the worst part, if you've ever been on a long hike, trying to filter it, put uh, tablets in it, boil it. Uh, it. I like this, you know, I like water that's been purified. It's got a little chlorine to it. Uh, that's my favorite type. Um, but water that you get in the middle of nowhere sometimes is awesome. Sometimes you find this awesome stream and it is like the best water ever. And other times you put a little Gatorade mix in it and just, you know, call it even. And you can, you can drink it. So as I'd tell them about it, they'd be like, nah, that's not something we want to do. Like, that's way too much effort. But we did the trip anyways. And we drove down to Virginia uh, for the week. And, you know, after we drove and got down there and put our backpacks on, we realized dude, there's no way I'm carrying this for a week. And so we start leaving stuff in the car. Pants, you don't need extra pair of pants. Underwear, you don't need an extra pair of underwear. We can do everything in one pot. Uh, you know, we're just dropping stuff left and right because, and at the end of the day, our packs were still probably 40 or 50 pounds for the week. So we, you know, throw those packs on and we start going. And once again, when you let 18, 17 and 18-year-olds plan a trip, uh, they're a little more ambitious than probably we should have been. We picked the one uh, section that had a ton of elevation change because we were like, well, we can see the top of all these mountains, and then we'll see the valley, and no problem. Yeah, it was a problem. Uh, when you're in the valley, if you've ever, in the spring especially, it's freezing cold because the sun isn't hitting it. You know, it's, it's being shaded by the mountains. And so when you're in the shade, especially in the morning, it is ice cold and so we're putting everything we have on which is hardly anything because we left it all in the car but then as you start hiking up the mountain and the day goes on it actually gets really warm 
So then you have to stop and you're taking all your clothes, well, some of your clothes off and putting them back in your bag. Then you get to the top of the mountain and we'd have snow again on the top. And so we did this for several days and it was brutal, uh, absolutely brutal. Uh, the one day we, we hiked, it was like 20 miles, which maybe if you're an experienced hiker, you can do that, but not when like I have fresh boots on and huge blisters and some of you that have done hiking before, probably I can see you're like, yeah, idiots. Uh, and that's kind of what we were. We didn't know. We had this rosy picture of what this trip would be like, you know, making friends with the bears and, and riding on the back of a moose. I mean, <laughs> that's what we thought it was going to be like. But the last two days to finish the story were the absolute worst. It rained and didn't stop. And I don't know if you've ever set up a tent in the rain the absolute worst. No, it's not the absolute worst. Taking the tent down in the rain is actually the absolute worst. So we hiked all day, set the tent up. It was raining. Woke up. It's still raining. We couldn't really make a fire, so we just ate whatever we could uh, that was still left there. And we still had more to hike. And so the last night we were actually supposed to set up camp. We said, forget it. Let's just keep hiking uh, the, the two legs that were left for the last two days were actually shorter. Let's just do it all the last day. So we hiked through the rain. We got to the cars exhausted, like fell asleep in the cars for a couple hours, uh, and then ended up driving home. Get home. People said, how was it? <laughs> you tell them, terrible. Absolutely awful. Yet, one of my life goals to this day is I want, and my wife she in here? No, because she'd laugh at me. Um, I always say, my goal, which is maybe unrealistic, and I don't know when I'm going to get it done, I want to hike the whole Appalachian Trail. Ever since that trip, that is, I put that, and I have very few big goals like that, but that is a goal, not that I don't have goals, but <laughs> that one has always been on the pedestal of I would love to try to do that. Maybe not all at once, but over years, try to do sections of it. And I've said, you know, as my son gets older, my two sons, that I would love to try to take them on some of those experiences. Because despite how rough it was, and despite that kind of the, you know, the, the romance of camping, maybe for some of you shaking your head like, I've never had that. But for me, that was still kind of in my mind. Uh, that's all gone away. But it was still something that, as I look back, that is, we, and I talk with some of my friends, one of our favorite memories from all of high school was that trip. Um, and what we learned through there, what we experienced, kind of the, the, the heartache of doing that trip and, and how hard it was. And as I'm thinking about, okay, this story, um, I start thinking about the Christian life. The Christian experience. And now I can't tell you anything, you know, that you probably don't already know, but I am going to tell you what I've experienced. And what have, I, what have I experienced is that oftentimes I see the Christian life or the Christian experience the same way I looked at the hiking trip before I went on it. And some of this, you know, this with series, which you should come back for next week because John will be here. Uh, and he'll continue it, has brought some of that to my mind. Some of the things that I bring into this idea of my relationship with God and what do I expect out of it? And what do I expect from him and what do I expect that I have to do? 
And I start realizing that often, man, I look at it like I look at that camping trip. I look that it's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be really good. It's going to be great. And some of those are true. Christianity, I would tell you, is absolutely great. I would also tell you, in my experience, Christianity is not easy. And I think, you know, that's a little about what we're getting to and with is that sometimes we've been sold things about the Christian faith that are just not true. Um, And that you need to take the glasses off, those rose-colored glasses, you know. Take them off and see for what it is because when you understand it better, you will have a better relationship with God. You will have a better experience because you will know what you're being asked to do. Any trips that I have went on post that trip, I've understand, understood what it would take to camp in the woods, to pack everything in, to hike miles and miles every day. There's, 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 no, there's, there's no blockage in my sight anymore about what that would take. But I find constantly that that still is the case with my Christianity, with my faith. I've been a Christian like my whole life, at least most of it. Maybe some of you guys are the same way. Yet I still find myself constantly have to battle against this idea that like God's going to make everything perfect for me, that God's going to make everything easy for me. And the only way I can do that is, honestly, is through scripture reading. As I grew up, um, I'm not a huge, you know, I, not a huge reader. Uh, I forced myself to because as many of you I've met, and I go, man, that guy is smart. Have you ever met someone like that? You go, they're smart. And then almost always, when you find someone like that, they're always well-read. And I'm like, man, I need to read more. And so I forced myself to read more, not only just in, in other books, but right in this book as well. Because it's really easy just to come here and hear some stuff, but it's a little harder to actually start reading it for yourself. And so I've started to read it and, and reading scripture and about what it says. And it starts convicting me that, hey, Steve, guess what? What you think is maybe not quite accurate. What you expect from me in this Christian life might not be accurate. Let me show you one that, um, or at least a couple of verses that, that have really stood out to me. Um, can you put the Romans 12, 1 and 2 up? This is a classic verse, right? I memorized this, the verse in Boys Brigade. Uh, this is something that most of you know. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and, v- and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That sounds great in theory. In practicality, do you know what that verse is saying? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is not a one-time deal. This is a living lifestyle as a sacrifice to God. And what always gets me, once I've studied that verse more, is at the end of it. Right? Sometimes you, you hear it uh, said, um, you're not conformed. Oh, can you go back one? I urge you, brothers, to sit in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Just leave it there. True and proper worship. You could really, you know, in the Greek, if you look at that, you could take that word and, and translate it as actually expected. 
This is what is expected of you. You could take it and say this is what is logical. This is what is intelligent for you to do. Meaning, living sacrifice is not something radical Christians do. Okay? Living sacrifice, sacrificing is what is just the norm, is just what's proper, is just what is rational in view of God's mercy. But I get that twisted up. And I think, oh, if I'm really living good, right, then I'll sacrifice. Well, what's sacrifice? Give you a very layman's term. Uh, I, I like it. Keep it simple. Sacrifice. Giving up something that is valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or more valuable. Okay, sear that in. Sacrifice. Giving up something that is valuable for something that is more valuable. Giving up something that is valuable for something that is more valuable. It's like when you tell your kids, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to cut away something out of our meal. We're going to fast. Have you ever done that with your kids? I, my parents used to do that with us. I'd go like, oh, I'm going to fast from broccoli. <laughs> right? I'm going to fast from Brussels sprouts. Uh, as an adult, you know, I, <laughs> you know, no, I won't go. We... We give up things that, right, as a kid, you want to give up broccoli when you fast. That, there's no, that's nothing that you hold dear to you as a child, right? Broccoli is nothing. That's not valuable to you. Now, if I said, hey, we're going to give up ice cream, that's a different story, okay? It's a kid example, but start putting that in your own life. When you sacrifice something, the sacrifice has to be something that is valuable. Otherwise, it's not a sacrifice. It's not an effort. Sacrifice is taking something that is valuable and, and, and giving it up for something that is more valuable. Give you another example of this. Um, I, you know, I, I love watching maybe too much, a lot of movies. And if you're at the movie theaters at all, like what's the number one type of movie that it just dominates at all the theaters? Superheroes, right? They're, it's all superhero movies constantly. Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, the Avengers 1, the Avengers 2, the Avengers 3, right? Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Now they're even doing remakes of the remade Spider-Man. It's ridiculous. But they're all the same, right? The character is usually a nobody, uh, doesn't have any powers, and by some, you know, oil spill or nuclear blast or something a spider bite, all of a sudden, this person gets some sort of power. And now they can climb walls, you know, bust down walls, make walls, uh, jump over the walls. They, they can do that. And the first movie, that's pretty much what all superhero movies are. It's them finding out they have power, right? It's them getting this power and how great it's going to be, right? And I love the first those first movies where the superhero gets the power in the beginning, it's always exciting. He's learning how to use it and thinking, like, this is going to be great, awesome. But usually in the second movie, what ends up happening to the superhero? He has some sort of crisis because he starts to realize, right, as Spider-Man's told by his uncle, right, with great 
power comes great responsibility, then all of a sudden there's things that are expected of me because of what I have. That I'm going to have to change how I lived if I'm going to be this superhero. I'm going to maybe have to give up my old identity, my old life. I might have to actually stop hanging around certain people because I don't want to put them in danger. Sometimes you find in the movie that the superhero actually gives it up for a little bit. And then he sees his world go into chaos more because he's not there. And eventually he comes to the realization that it's better to give some of my old life up in order for something more valuable. The protection of the world, right? Protection of Gotham, whatever movie it is, it's all the same. I'm going to give up who I was because this is better. This is more valuable. Sacrifice. Giving up something that is valuable for something that is more valuable. And this is actually what Christ calls us to all throughout the scripture is this idea of sacrifice. Let me read you a couple more. Um, Philippians 2 says this. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interest of others. Have the attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and being made in the likeness of a man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you hear what it says for all of you that's, that are saying you're Christians? For myself as well, this is what it's telling me to do. Treat, uh, don't look at your own interest, but also for the interests of others. Have the attitude in you that was in Christ. Giving himself up. Right? This is the verse that I like to read, but I don't want to actually do it. That would, right? The sacrifice involved in actually following that verse out. I think, Darla, you have the Ephesians one. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Okay, that sounds great. I can do that. Walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Right? That's where I want to stop. I don't know if I want to do that part. Do you want to do that part? You know, that's, that's what you're saying as a Christian. This is what I've been being reminded of probably over the summer. These passages have stood out to me. Saying, hey, this is what you signed up for. Why are you complaining when you have to sacrifice for someone else? Why are you complaining to me when you have to give of yourself? That was the agreement. That was in there. You're supposed to follow me. 
but I gripe and complain all day about the tiny, tiny sacrifices I make. Give you one more. John 15, 1 and 2. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. There's a whole lot of love in there, but that love deals with sacrifice. One writer wrote, the greatest thing that love can do is to sacrifice. The greatest thing that love can do is to sacrifice. That's what you're called to. That's what I'm called to. It frustrates me that I keep complaining about it when I know that's the deal. So I was at this wedding and, and I talked to them a little about sacrifice because for all of you that are married, uh, you know it, marriage takes a little sacrifice. It takes a little of giving up of yourself for something that is better, right? Two becoming one. But you can't do that unless the one, right, that is valuable, gives up to become with the other one together. Let me give you three ideas of sacrifice that I've seen that um, some I've had an easy time with and some I've struggled with. Sacrifice, as I was thinking about it, there's the first way that I sometimes sacrifice is when I sacrifice for someone especially, and they see it, they recognize it, and they appreciate it. I can sac not that sacrificing is ever easy, but I can do that kind of sacrifice. When I do something, I go out of my way to give of myself time, energy, money, whatever, fill in the blank, and someone else sees it, and they give me a thank you, they shoot me an email, hey, I appreciate what you did, like I see that, I can keep doing that because I, you know, it's feeding me. They see it. They're thanking me. I, I can do that kind of sacrifice. You know, at home, maybe it's, I do something for Melissa. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate, you know, the time you took to do this. It feels good, right? You guys have had that? You can keep going with that sacrifice. That's an easy type of sacrifice. Another type of sacrifice is when you sacrifice something and no one ever sees it. And thus, you can't be thanked for it if they've never seen it. This is something you do... Uh, you know, so to speak, behind closed doors. Maybe this is something you've done at work. You covered for a coworker that, you know, forgot to do something. You took up your time to do it for him. You don't ever tell him you did it. You just are glad that, you know, they, you know, you covered for him. You know, maybe this is little things you do for your neighbors. Um, you see their, you know, trash can blowing down the street, so you chase after it, put it back. They don't know you did it. They can't thank you for it. That's a little bit harder to do. Now, you can get into deeper things. I mean, I'm giving you very fluffy examples of this. But you, know, you can get into hard things like offer a promotion at work. You know it's going to be really rough on your family if you take it. But it's going to send your career skyrocketing. So you don't take it. Maybe you don't say anything about it. They can't thank you for it because they don't know what you did for them. But I find myself often wanting to make sure people know when I sacrifice for them. Right? Oh, by the way, 
because I want to thank you. And even when I don't tell them, you know what I do? I make up in my mind what they would have done if they would have known. I'm, t- I'm being dead serious. I go, oh, if they would have just known, they would have sent me an email, baked me a pie, right? They probably would have got a plane that had a banner on it. Thank you, Steve. You're awesome. Of course, I wouldn't see it till the doorbell rings and I come out and there's an edible arrangement. <laughs> I've thought about this. You know, it says you're the best. Couldn't have done it without you. Edible arrangements are awesome. I mean, just saying. Pineapple and melon. So I start to think, this is what they would have done. And then it, you know, it helps me to do it again for them, to sacrifice again. They would have, they would have really appreciated this. I know it if, if they would have found out. But the absolute hardest, and the one that, for me, I am terrible at, and probably for you, you might be the same way, is when you sacrifice something for someone. Now remember, sacrifice is giving up something that is of value, that's valuable for something that is more valuable. So you sacrifice something for someone else out of a love you have for them. And they see it and think nothing of it. Or they see it and they don't care. Has this ever happened uh, in a relationship? At first, maybe they said thank you for what you did, but over time, it just became the expectation. The sacrifice on your level hasn't changed, but their uh, gratitude for it has. I don't know, for me, it starts to get bitter, angry. You don't deserve it, right? I'm not going to sacrifice for you. You don't even care. Why should I go out of my way for you? That sacrifice is hard. And there's no way of getting around it. Like, they would have thanked me. I know they would have. No, they wouldn't because they saw it and didn't care, didn't appreciate it. But once again, if you go back to Scripture, it doesn't put a caveat with who you should sac- when you should sacrifice for people, right? When it says you should look at the interests of others, not just your own interest, it doesn't say if you think it's important, or if you think they're going to say thank you, or if they appreciate your sacrifice for them. It doesn't ever say that. It doesn't. But that's what I hold. I hold on to, right, if they don't appreciate it, they don't deserve it. Give you more examples, because this is how I've seen it work in my own life. Remember raising your kid as as a baby, as an infant? Some of you are right now in that stage. Some of you, maybe that's long ago. Do you remember the work that it took to raise them? You know the work it takes to feed like a one-year-old? It's like an hour process. Got to get them strapped down into the seat, some sort of bib on them, which nothing goes on it, but, you know, it's, oh, the food still goes everywhere. And I have to try to feed him as he's throwing stuff to the dog, throwing it back at me, And then when he's finished, he throws the plate off, right? Starts saying, all done. Doesn't care. I try to take him out, and now he's covered. 
and food, and so I got to change him so he's not dirty, and he's screaming the whole time that's happening, and I change his diaper. He's screaming through that. Can you imagine if you get to the end of that and go, boy, you really did not appreciate what I just did for you. I think I'm done. Like, you can fend for yourself. Right, that's comical, that's funny, but that's what we do with adults, right? Because you think they should know better, right? I think they should know better, but guess what? They don't. Guess what? I don't. And I still take people's sacrifice for granted. And I don't acknowledge it, and I don't thank them for it. And I'm like the baby that's kicking the food, right? Screaming as I'm getting changed. We're still called to sacrifice for those. This is why I love going on mission trips when we go to Guatemala, because I think every person that I do work for there absolutely deserves it, because I can't speak the language, I don't know their background, but I don't want to serve you guys because I know you don't deserve it. (laughs) That's true. I told you, it's just coming from here today. That's true. That's probably true in some of your hearts, right? I'll serve those that I think deserve it, but when I know it, you, I'm not sacrificing nothing. You don't deserve it. You're not grateful. You're not getting my time or my energy. Okay, let's head back into maybe scripture a little bit. What does it say when God sacrificed for us? Right? You know where this is going. You've heard these verses before. What does it say? Why we appreciated God so much and loved him so much, then he sent his son. I don't think that's the scripture. Do you have those two, Darla? The Romans... 5-6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me, that's you. The ungodly, with no power, with a heart that is stone, that doesn't appreciate him, that's who he came for. That's when he came. Can you put the Ephesians 2.13? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Right? When we were far off, when we weren't near him, when we were wandering, when we were lost, when we were blind, that's who he came for. That's who he sacrificed for. Right? What did Jesus say at one point? I didn't come for the healthy. Right? I came for the sick. And then... This is what he calls us to. That's the attitude he calls us to. Remember? Have the same mind that Christ had. This is what I struggle with. I struggle with sacrificing for those that I think don't deserve it. Because you know what? I end up flipping around the definition of this sacrifice. See, I end up... Agreeing with the basic principle that something that is valuable, giving up something that is more valuable. 
But instead of sacrifice, I go selfishness. And I see me as being more valuable than you. Just real talk. I'm sure you've been there with people. And thus, I can't sacrifice for you. I can't give up something that is more valuable for something that is less valuable. That'd be idiotic. My stuff is more valuable. My time is more valuable. My energy is more valuable. My family is more valuable. I'm not saying that there's not times or situations. Don't, don't read into that. I'm saying the Christian life, what's constantly found in Scripture, go Google sacrifice in the Bible. Go read all those verses. They're hard verses. Take the rose-colored glasses off, right? Take the illusion off of Christianity. It's not always easy. It's hard. Band, if you guys want to come up, I'm going to close in saying this. Uh, maybe that's a hard sell for the Christian faith this morning. Um, but when you read stories of people that had great, that get, gave themselves up for great sacrifice, those are the people we idolize. Those are the people we hold up. You know, they, they saved everybody, you know, by their own death. But you know what's harder than that almost? It's the constant small way that we're called to sacrifice. It's the li- going back, it's the living sacrifice. I always think that I almost at times wish I would have one big decision. Right? I, someone asked me, you know, like, uh, you know, growing up in, in high school and we've started to have, you know, for some of you teens in here, maybe you've thought about that. You start having the school shootings. And you start thinking about if somebody came into my school and said, hey, are you a Christian? You know, I'm going to kill you. Uh, would I sacrifice my life for God? And I always think, oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, I think maybe that would almost be easier at times. I could have just one big statement. I would sacrifice my life, and that would be that. But what's hard in the Christian faith is that it's not always like that. It's a small, constant daily sacrifice, right? To die to yourself, to treat others above yourself, to be a servant. One kind of fun story to have you thinking about this. I live in a property with another big house. We kind of live in their cottage. And occasionally we lose water. And this was happening, and it was getting frustrating. And we figured out that our well system, we have two wells, but they're hooked up on the same kind of track. And our well is only drilled like 80 feet, and their well is like 300 feet. And so when they would run their pool fill, you know, and and use all this water, we would lose water because of it. So we start to figure that out. But then we kept losing water, and we couldn't figure it out for the longest time. But you know what was happening? It wasn't a big, let's fill the pool up and that's why you lost all the water in the wells. It was the sprinkler system had a leak in it that ran through the woods and it was this small leak that over time, go away, they turn it on, five days, and it would drain the water in my well. It was a toilet that was left on for two weeks while they were away. And we're like, why? Our water's like sputtering. We're, you know, we can't keep up. With the demand, what's going on? It was this constant 
trickle. It's this constant leakage, right, that was coming out. And in sacrifice, that can happen. But here's the best part, okay? When you give yourself constantly, constantly, sacrifice constantly, even in small ways, and you feel yourself draining, do you know that not only does it, it, does it say we should imitate God, right, that we should imitate Jesus, but it also says that we get him, that we get the Holy Spirit. And it also says that, right, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. So what would have drained me previously doesn't drain me anymore. What I thought I could never do before in sacrificial levels of loving. All of a sudden, God gives me power to do that. There is power in God's name, in God's Holy Spirit. That's what's promised to you. That's why Christianity is great. Not easy, but awesome. Spectacular. You're giving a li- you are given a living God. Not someone that's far away but one you can have a relationship with. And he can strengthen you to your core. It's all throughout scripture as well. That's the awesome part of it. Right? You are not by yourself in this. You aren't with a God that doesn't know. He does know. He's done it. And he will be there with you. We're going to sing Cornerstone. Kind of sums it up. Right? It's the foundation. It's the rock. You can, you can do it. You can live scripture out. You can sacrifice at crazy levels that would drain other people, that would drain the well. But not, but when Christ is filling you, right? You can't drain it. So, would you stand? Uh, and we're going to sing um, Cornerstone. It's kind of our um, way of proclaiming that this morning.